their second year in existence have won MLS Cup. Special final, JCM Jones from the Mothership and Dirty South Soccer. Some of the time, Joe Patrick from 99 The Game and Dirty South Soccer. All the time is over there, Joe Patrick. And uh, you know what? Look, it counts. It counts, and that's all that matters. Of course. It counts, and it's all that matters. I think I'm more optimistic about this game than a lot of people. I, I think I got there. I think I got there. Uh, Lane United gets a, a one nothing win over Inter Miami last night. Uh, of course, did not play super well against Philadelphia, which is maybe oh, kind yeah. of feeding in to uh, some of the fears and issues with maybe last night's game. Uh, but overall, it got the job done. And I, would, I will color everything with this immediately. Immediately, we'll say off the top that Lane United got 2.6 goals worth of expected goals last night. They created right. 2.6 goals worth of chances. Uh, so, you know what? If this is the game we're going to complain about, I feel pretty good about that. Mm-hmm. I feel pretty good about that if this is the thing we're worried about. I dropped that in context with my question to Pineda last night, and then he got me with the total. He had the, 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 he had the XG. <laughs> he knew it right off the top of his head. I was impressed. And I think it's probably a good thing that he knows that. Um Maybe a little bit different than some of the other coaches that we've seen here. But I mean, I think that's been apparent for a lot of Gonzalo and Panetta's press conferences, whether it's talking about mm-hmm. miles traveled by players or just um, general other general uh, characteristics that he has. But um, yeah, it was uh, I, I mean, the game, it was weird because, well, we'll get into it later. But I just felt like because the uh, defensively, the team was playing so well in the second half, they weren't really giving up any chances. It was just setting up fans for just that expectation of the goal to come, the expectation of the goal mm-hmm. to come. And so for that reason, I can sense why it was frustrating for people. Um, and I'm sure we would be having a much different conversation today had they not scored the goal, but they did. So it's all good. Three points. Beautiful. We'll take it every time. We'll get into more about the game in just a little bit. But first, a few housekeeping things that you can get into. Uh, I want you to go ahead and check out patreon.com slash five stripe final. Uh, got interviews up with the latest uh, from Parky and Greg Garza is up there. That was a they fun one. Business venture. That was a fun one. Uh, always have a new stuff coming your way. We'll have all sorts of things coming into the playoffs. Uh, we'll get some folks on there, some tactical previews. We'll get maybe even Matt Doyle on to, to admit he was, well, technically right about Atlanta. He picked them to finish like second. Yeah. In your face. <laughs> haters. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll get all sorts of people on too. Just like you drew it up. Just like we drew it up, right? Just like we drew it up. We'll get all sorts of people on to, to get us into the end of the season and what should be a team that makes the playoffs. We're still pretty convinced. Uh, you can also join the world famous Patreon Discord. We're talking in there all the time. We're even bumping uh, some new new things in the Discord as well. Uh, live audio chats, like video chats coming soon from us. We're going to start holding what we will call office hours. We're stealing that from Split Zone Duo, a football podcast. But you know what? What is Five Strike Final? But anything but a football. I don't know. It's a football podcast. It's you, a football podcast. You know, what I wanna, podcast. you know what I want to use it for, too? And I kind of vaguely brought this up kind of in passing earlier this season and have not followed through on it. But could just use that to uh, watch an away game together with some people and just kind of talk through it. That'd be fun if, if you're not doing too much social media and Twittering during the games. But um, mm-hmm. I think that would be fun. That would, that would be a perfect way to do it to, and to utilize the discord. So if you're not with Patreon, just uh, check us out on Patreon. The link will be in this 30 South soccer po- uh, post. If that's how you're watching or listening to us right now. Um, but yeah, 
five stripe it's also super easy patreon.com slash five stripe final I think you can do that I think you can manage that but can you manage business time it's Business time, Joe Patrick and Joe Patrick. Joe Martinez had a big milestone last night. He did. Big milestone. Joseph Martinez gets his 100th goal for Atlanta United. I don't know how many of those are penalties, but you know what? Who cares? I'm gonna complain. I'm gonna complain about penalties <laughs> later today. But you know what? Okay. Today I feel pretty good about it. Today I feel pretty good about it uh, because we got to see Joseph one be happy. And two, we get to sell you guys some some sweet T-shirts. <laughs> that's why, that's why this right? is in the business time uh, portion. Yeah, yeah. We uh, it's uh, check out Dirty South Soccer. There's uh, T-shirts there. I'm sure everybody will enjoy. We get a little. We get Dirty South Soccer gets a small cut of it. I haven't actually checked that account. What we get for like these T-shirt sales, but we usually just kind of distribute it around to editors and stuff. So um, helps us out and a little one bit. Time to Sam for beer money during Georgia Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> Is it really? <laughs> Someone funny. sent me some money. I don't know See, where they got it from. Helping, <laughs> helping the kids, and nah, no, it uh, goes to a good cause. And now and I don't need it anymore. See, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> progress. <right. laughs> and um, pretty cool shirt as well. You can get it in like a shirt, hoodie, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's one other thing that Atlanta United kind of put out there last week. Um, they have a new smartphone trade-in partner, which I know everybody was, you know, really looking to, they didn't know, they probably didn't know who, who, where, what to do with your phone. That's just stuck in your sock drawer that you used back in 2012. Well, um, they've got this new partner eco ATM and, um, they've set up, I guess a few, I think four stations inside Mercedes Benz stadium where you can just drop it in so they don't get stuck in a landfill and stuff like that. So pretty cool (laughs) deal. And, um, that company is sharing, I guess, 40% of the revenue, uh, which I'm not sure, where the revenue comes from if that is that the the somehow the sale of the phone to somebody else or the, the, I assume the person doesn't have to pay who's donating the phone. <laughs> but anyway, they do share some revenues with a program called cell phones for soldiers. And all this just kind of helps keep cell phones out of landfills and gets them into people's hands who wouldn't typically be able to afford them or acquire them. So pretty good deal. I think we uh, yeah, they asked us to write something cool. for dirty South soccer about it. I feel really bad. Cause I just couldn't figure out a way to do it. That would make a whole lot of sense, but um, <laughs> encourage anybody who's got an extra phone around to uh, go donate it at their next uh-huh. game. Well, now I want to figure out how they make money from it. Uh, you, I know, you got I know. me intrigued. <laughs> this is it's the best. The wheels are turning in my head podcast. as I was reading that out. <laughs> uh, wow, we had actual business and business time. That's maybe one of the first times we've ever yeah, we've ever a had to do kind of that. Business that was, time, wasn't it? Was weird. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, also interesting is the fact that Lady Night gets a one nothing win over Enter Miami. We're going to talk about it right now in Sports Prime Game Time. Sports time, game time, sports time, game time, sports prime game time, sports prime game time, sports game prime time. Sports prime game time, 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 yeah. Sports Prime Game Time, Joe, Patrick, and and people has been upset with me for the intro, apparently. Yeah. I, I think it's yeah. been fun to, <laughs> to experiment, and y'all just don't know what art is. That's my opinion. <laughs> That's my opinion. I hope this one was super, super weird, too, in your faces. Uh, also, super, super weird uh, was the game against Philadelphia. Me and Joe were both on the road, this which was story. why we did not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
get to a podcast earlier in the week and why we're doing it now but we kind of caught up a little bit i got to watch a little bit of it in the car back from i was coming from nashville at the time and i think we can maybe just chalk this one up to a really sluggish road game against a team that just kind of owns us it's it's that four four two diamond that Atlanta just doesn't seem to know, seem to know what to do with right now with the personnel they have. It seems very similar to how they couldn't handle the, those Red Bull teams mm-hmm, in 2017, right. 2018, and even 2019 and beyond for various reasons. You know where they just looked extremely uncomfortable on the ball the entire time. Uh, it doesn't help when no one is moving off the ball. We'll talk about that more with regards to Inter Miami as well. But overall, just a game you can kind of toss toss in the, the wastebasket. Forget about. I think it, it was one of those games for me where, of course, it went this way because I was at a wedding and I'm like trying to watch the game as much of the game as I can from inside this tiny, cramped groomsman room that was like literally like a like a small box uh, room that we were in. And I'm trying to watch the game on my phone. I was only able to watch like a, couple, a couple minutes here and there, maybe on a few occasions. But the more important part, which has nothing to do with the game, but Sam, I I briefly mentioned this to you afterwards at the wedding. The guy sitting next to me at the table was like, dude, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. He like like, knew all about the podcast. And he said to tell you, send you his regards and everything. It was pretty funny. That was the first time that's ever happened to me. That's pretty cool. It is cool. I I don't remember the guy's name. So whoever you are, hopefully you're listening to this. And uh, it was really nice meeting you. You were a nice, nice guy. And thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. The reach of five strike final is, is ever growing it's really and ever come, powerful. It's come full circle. It's like come home. It's, it was crazy. They were. The, pretty, the, I know the the couple that was getting married was big Atlanta United fans, but uh, even they don't listen mm. to my podcast. And he's like one of my best friends. <laughs> I'm just I wouldn't either. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't either. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Um, yeah. Uh, are we both cool with just saying that maybe we don't want to see Philadelphia in the playoffs? That would be nice. It would be really nice if somebody else could just knock them out, you know, like a Montreal just like knocks them out in the Mm -hmm. first round or something, just clears the path. That would be be beautiful. Exactly. Because Philadelphia, all they want to do, y'all, is drag you into the dirt. Yeah. They just want to drag you down to their level. And they do it better than some other teams that try to do the same thing, right? Because that midfield is so experienced. That midfield is really really mean <laughs> that's just kind of it they're kind of bullies <laughs> yeah. a lot of them uh, Jose Martinez, Jose Martinez there, man. He's, yeah. um, just bothering the, the hell out of people the entire time Leon Flock is, is everywhere even though goals added thinks he's quite literally the worst player in the league and it bothers me <laughs> I know for that's a fact perfect. Leon Flock is actually good at soccer um, and they just have a whole bunch of other guys there that really make it difficult they really make it difficult and when Atlanta United comes out and they're, they're dual false nines as they call it uh there was just no connectivity didn't help again that no one was moving off the ball but it was always going to be a tough task to break through that diamond midfield and and handle the overloads they were creating with joseph martinez out of this yeah and i feel like without martin without joseph the team was kind of predictable in the way they were going to play like it's pretty clear like gonzalo pineda has made it pretty clear how this team is going to set up when Joseph Martinez is out. So I feel like it it's set up decently well for Philadelphia. They could really prepare for Atlanta pretty well. And Sam, I wanted to ask you, I don't know if it's too far, or if it's too crazy to say this, but I feel like I would almost rather play New England in the playoffs than I would want to play Philadelphia just because of the tactics and the way that these teams match up. I mean, I know New England's amazing and they probably have more individual great players. And I guess Matt Turner is a goalkeeper you never want to have to go up against, but... 
I'm just like shell shocked from from Philadelphia right now because of all these matchups that we've played against them this year and have continued to lose. Fun fact, Andre Blake actually has better numbers than Matt Cerner this really? year. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And both goals added and the expected goals numbers as well, which is very surprising to me, but might actually be more difficult to go against them. Uh, it's a good thought. I don't quite know. And of course, we're getting ahead of ahead of ourselves. Um, but Atlanta played New England pretty well, even when Gabby was here. You know, mm-hmm. um, but but right now they just look like good. They look like a different beast. Yeah. At this point, the, the one thing that would be good about facing New England, they are not quite as good defensively as you would expect for a team that is about to break the points record pretty easily. Right. They they don't keep a whole lot of clean sheets. And, you know, if you can get this team scoring and you get the team in an open game, I think you may be right, Joe. Maybe you're onto something there. Maybe it might be. A little easier in theory. I mm, I can't bite on that. I can't bite on that, but I like where your head's at. The, the main reason I say it, I, I honestly, you've watched way more New England Revolution this year than I have. I've really only watched them when they've played Atlanta United. But just the thing that stuck in my head is I think it was uh, Gabriel Heinze's last game in charge was mm-hmm. against the Revs before he got let go. And uh, I mean, the team lost one nothing and they kind of were playing with a bare bones squad. That was the game where Franco Ibarra got hurt early in that game they played most of it without them they're just kind of you know trying to get pieces in any way they could so um i guess that's kind of what's in my head and for that reason yeah keep in mind too i think a lot of teams maybe feel that way because of Mm. new england's 20 wins 16 of them have come by one goal oh wow and it's like that's an interesting stat look look i can i can i can almost reach this i'm gonna make this jump and then you just crash into the middle of it (laughs) you know because new england's always been in control and that's just kind of how how it's been just kind of how it's been um but i understand where you're coming from because the difficulty is there and i'm interested to see the next time they play how gonzalo adjusts to that Mm -hmm. you know for someone who's so tactical minded and you know uh, studies these things relentlessly it seems i'm really interested to see what adjustments he makes going forward against a team like philadelphia cool we get on that one yep i think we can put that one to bed thank goodness let's move on to enter miami this one kind of a weird one like we said it, to frame all of this 2.6 xg for atlanta 0.8 for enter miami and of course a single game xg doesn't always tell the whole story uh there were a lot of shots that were blocked i think that we're, we're figuring into that and maybe this game looks a lot different if a couple of those get past a couple enter miami defenders but it was going to be really really difficult the entire time to get past the enter miami defenders uh they had eight people behind the ball at all times with two forwards just kind of waiting for anything to happen. And Gonzalo Higuain just kind of standing there and maybe putting in an effort every now and then. <laughs> that kind of seemed to be the plan. I don't know what it was beyond that. Uh, but uh, they had a bank of three in front of their back five. And that back five got narrow and compact real quickly. Mm-hmm. It was always, always going to be tough to break down. Uh, but it didn't help that Atlanta United sure didn't seem to want to move off the ball in the first half. Yeah, it was weird. Like there were just yeah, there just wasn't a lot of um rotation and, and things. I, I think there were some some tactical issues with the team in the first half. You know, they came out in what I'm terming the five one four, just because I feel like that probably triggers mm-hmm. people a little bit when they hear that. Um, but it really kind of is. Like Santiago Sosa is really the only central midfielder in that team. And I will have some sound. We're gonna play some sound from the postgame press conference here during the show today. And uh, even Gonzalo Pineda says he says, I needed to add a second central midfielder. Onto the, onto the field uh, at halftime. But I really just thought that um, Marcelino Moreno just was not, he's just not a good 
fit here. And I think that the kind of uncomfortable question that this game brings up is what how does he fit into this group of players or how does Luis Araujo fit in this group of players or mm-hmm. whoever, but however you group them together, trying to get all these players on the field at the same time while maintaining that back three or the back five, whatever you want to call it. It just doesn't work out well tactically. And I thought in the first mm-hmm. half, the team was specifically out of shape when Miami would take over, the, would, would take possession of the ball. And that's why they were giving up quite a bit of counterattacks to, to Miami. And you said it, they didn't actually put a shot on target, but they still were getting in chances to sc- getting in position to score. Um, Atlanta was just able to get center backs back there to, to make blocks. But I just thought that Marcelino Moreno's positioning, he was just kind of erratic with it. It seemed like his teammates didn't know where he was going to be popping up in a given situation and then it didn't give them a lot of structure on the other end to be able to defend the the thing with marcy is obviously you know we we applaud him for what he does on the ball and what he's been able to do as a creator and everything like that especially with progressive dribbles and all those kind of things that make your goals added look very good and obviously i think he's been a big part his play has been a big part of the turnaround, but I, I think you're spot on because I remember at one point he was floating over. He was almost at the touchline <laughs> yeah. for some reason yeah. uh, in his own half. And I said out loud to no one, what position is he playing? And Felipe went, he doesn't have one. <laughs> and, and full credit to Felipe, who's been kind of beating, beating that drum for a second here that, that Marcy just doesn't really. He's a tweener in so many aspects of, of what he can do. He's not an eight he's not a six he's not a ten mm-hmm. um he's kind of weirdly in the middle he, he's a shuttler i guess to some extent um i, I think the data sees him as like that sees him as this supporting player who's mobile so he can kind of drift around the field and just kind of be that mm-hmm. supporting player but i think his I think that's kind of the ideal what Pineda kind of envisions in his mind that that Moreno can do. But I think Moreno himself wants to actually be on the ball and drive the ball forward and make things happen. Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening is players like Barco or Araujo have to kind of find space in behind him. And I remember there were times during the game where Araujo was picking the ball up off the center backs, just dropping in because that's kind of where he found himself because Marcelino Moreno was stationed farther forward up the field because mm-hmm. that's his natural tendency. Yeah, I think we've said in the past to it, or I know I have for sure. Let me put words in your mouth, but I've said that I think in theory, right? Moreno can be better doing what Hosetsu does than Hosetsu, mm-hmm. right? Like the, his skill set would sure. allow him to do that well. But the thing is, he just doesn't kind of grasp what that position should be and what it, what it kind of needs to be under under Gonzalo and so like you said it's gonna be interesting to see how they figure this out if they really are committed to the back three we should point out that they were in the back three and then they were in a back four when they brought on Jake Morani which I thought was a great sub yeah. and a great tweak and then of course they they get the the penalty when <laughs> when Leandro gets hit in the arm by George Bellows cross um, Leandro of course runs over to the ref and started pointing to his arm where the ball hit him <laughs> and everyone went, yes, Leandro. Yeah, that is where That's what you. we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so that was interesting. It, it looked um, to me like it hit him. It like hit his arm that was, and it like knocked it behind his, behind his back. And then he just like it held him there. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, it was like the catcher framing the pitch outside the strike zone. Yeah. Right? And it was close. Like it was like kind of, you know, it yeah. wasn't the most egregious handball, but at the end of the day, 
you know, I, I, I tweeted, you know, seen it given. That's the one that's like the phrase <laughs> that you always hear. But seriously, yeah. I mean, it is just kind of one of those ones that can go either way. But sometimes, especially when you're the home team, you tend to to get those calls. And at the end of the day, the ball, it did affect the play. You know, the ball would have gone past him and into the mixer beyond him. So, yeah, um, yeah. I do want to take it. But but I want to point out real quick, sure. real quick, right sure, after sure. that, though, right after that, they got the goal. And then they went back to a back three. George Campbell came in. Yeah. Yeah. And so there, there were multiple switches throughout this. So I think they understand that they can exist in a back four to some extent. But mm-hmm. I think Gonzalez sees the back three is like a defensive safety blanket, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's comfortable limiting the risk. Right. Maybe more comfortable limiting the risk right now, especially as a team grows under his system and learns what to do. Um, so we may not see a back four for a second, even if I still think that's the best way to get this team kind of connected right yeah. from, from the back line to the midfield to the front. What game was it that he went to the back four um, previously? Uh, now th- this wedding is really kind of murking up my brain. Who was that? <laughs> it was the game before that. Who'd they play? Um, Cause it was like a full week before. But anyway, uh, they went. Uh, Pineda went to a back four, and I remember him saying he was like, "It was a risky decision by me." He's like, "I understand that because then we were one on one at the back, but that was the decision that I decided mm-hmm. was necessary at the time." Um, and I think, like against a team like Inter Miami, you can do that. Yeah, exactly. And you I, know, and I, I kind of wish that had maybe been maybe recognized earlier. Right. I, I, I don't think that was a team that they should have been given too much respect to. And even, um, you know, I, I think when you look at Atlanta's center backs, they're fast physical center backs who I think play very well in one on one situations. You don't want to necessarily leave yourself exposed intentionally, but if having them in one on in more one on one situations is going to give you an edge going forward, then I think that that's something that you know, the team should really try to take advantage of because that is a that is a strength of yours. And Brad Guzan last night was talking all about how good the center backs were. And so I think that, yeah, mm-hmm. just utilize that advantage uh, as best you can. I want to shout out Alan Franco, which is something I have not done on this show yeah. much, but it's, it's, it's becoming increasingly clear that he's a very smart player mm-hmm. as a center back. And he, he he did a few things last night that are where they were Parky-esque. I'm going to be honest, the way he was cutting off runs and, and cutting off passes, um, it was solid. And you know what? He hasn't done the thing where he nearly gives away the easiest goal yeah. in yeah. the history of soccer. <laughs> he hasn't done it in the last few games. He's yeah. been really, really good. And it's, again, how do you decide one through four, which guys to put out there at center back? I, I don't quite know right now because everyone looks really good. Even George Campbell came in and, and did a good job. And, you he, know? and he's showing that uh, that SEC speed. I thought that was the first thing that came to my mm-hmm. mind watching uh, Alan Franco last night. He's fast. Anton took off at a full sprint last night. Yeah. And was flying. Yeah. I've never seen him do that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know he could. For sure. Uh, I've got, um, let's listen to uh, Brad Guzan talking about Franco. Yeah, I mean, I think you saw that in the first half, the, the ability of Miles, Allen, uh, Allen's savviness and experience to be able to read situations, read plays, and, you know, not get too tight to him. And then at the right moment, step in and win the ball. And, and, and the striker is kind of looking like, where did he come from? One of my favorite things that both of those guys, especially Miles and Franco, just because they are kind of faster players. Um, one of my favorite things they do is kind of anticipating the through ball and they anticipate it so well that they kind of drop off as soon as they know it's coming. And then they chase down the through ball before the guy mm-hmm. running through the through ball can get to the through ball. So it's like they just like <laughs> run down a pass that gets played in behind them. So that's always a nice luxury to have. And you have guys who can do that. You have multiple guys who can do it. And it's just really fun to watch but again i keep coming back to like if their ability is is so good which it clearly is you know i think you could almost feel comfortable in a back four 
Maybe yeah. more than some other things. That's just a thought. Just but a thought. Either I mean, either way, it's very nice that this team has a player like George Campbell that can be on the bench. And so exactly like what happened in the game last night, if you want to start in the back three and then go to a back four and then you can come back into a back three without essentially really losing much quality at the back there because mm-hmm. George Campbell is such a good replacement player. I mean, he's a he's a MLS starting caliber player at this point. So um, Atlanta sure has a, a, a luxury with those players at Pineda's disposal. For sure. For sure. Uh, we talked a bit about the adjustment that Panetta made, which, of course, um, the biggest thing was at halftime was was taking off Marcelino Marino and adding in Mateus Hosetu. Uh, he talked about it right here. Or maybe I put him in a bad position because he had to start the sequences from a deeper position. And obviously uh, he was trying to do more on the attacking half. At times that disorganized a little bit the team because he was in higher positions. And then Barco and Luis Araujo were not receiving the ball in those spaces. So I had to make an adjustment just based on I needed more solid pair of center mids to attract the position and then create a space for Luis Araujo and Barco. Um, he was yeah. spot on. That, that, that's necessary. They're, right? they're, that, they're, that was gutsy to do it at halftime, I think. And I don't want anyone to think I'm hoping Marcelino doesn't feel hard done by it. Right. Because I think I Gonzalo did good to to claim that, to say, OK, I put you in a difficult position. Mm-hmm. Right. This was not conducive to helping you out as a soccer player. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's on me. And that's what worries me for like Moreno's the way Marino fits in with this other, the rest of these group of players is because it just seems like maybe his skill set is not the best utilization for what the team needs in that position. Uh, I do. There was also a second part of the quote. I don't know why I cut them up into different spots because these are for the radio, but here's this kind of the second part of that. I feel like Marcelino played poorly. He played normal Marcelino, but tactically I needed a more of a second center mid. So even Gonzalo Pineda is acknowledging that he needs a second central midfielder on the field instead of just Santiago Sosa, which I think is smart. I think that that's correct. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it just goes to just goes kind of goes to show how it, it's a bit of a I think that Gonzalo Pineda is still realizing that it's a it's a little bit uncomfortable when you're just trying to squeeze all those players mm-hmm. in there. It's why a few a couple weeks ago I asked him if he knew his best 11, if he kind of knew how he wants to implement all these players. And he admitted that he's still playing with it himself and discovering new things about the team. Uh, something we already knew though, is that Jose Martinez is real damn good at soccer and we're kind of burying the lead here. We haven't even really talked about it. Uh, 100 goals for Joseph Martinez with Atlanta United. Before we start this, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite of those 100? It's in, it's in rapid fire. We'll get to it later. Oh, okay. Wonderful. I put, it was yeah. your question. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it in rapid fire then. Uh, Joseph was interestingly, not interestingly, he's been somewhat solemn all year. I'm going to say that. Mm. He's kind of come into press conferences and it has seemed like there is a certain weight to him, if that makes sense. It's not and rum it all, drinking Joseph this year. Yes. And it all kind of stems from one. I think he has time to kind of cool down. We're not like right there in the locker room like we used to. Two, it's because back to the fact that he nearly didn't play soccer again. Right. Like, I think he really, really understands that he was close to not being able to do this anymore and not wanting to do this anymore. And I think, you know, that there's kind of some fear there to to speak a lot for Joseph there. I, I can't actually tell you, uh, you know, what's going on in his head, but it seems like, you know, you have a week like this week where he's 
having some soreness in his knee and having some stiffness and having to get injections and things like that. Uh, I think there's some genuine fear uh, to to that happening again, you know, to any kind of issues happening again. Um, so I think he approaches everything with this sense of appreciation. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, for, for sure. All of it for all of it. For sure. Here's uh, what he said to get after the game. We only have one cut of him because he only gave one answer uh, himself in English. This is the only one we got about his hundredth goal. Happy, yes, for sure. Um, also, I worry about the game because this is an amazing game today. But uh, we won. That's is important. And also, I'm happy because now every day you make hundred goals. So. Um, I want to say thank you for uh, my teammates that they are here and, uh, and the players that was here before and uh, everyone working at Atlanta United and also for my city because they made me a lot. Uh, I, for one, I am glad that he scored this goal in a win because mm-hmm. if, he, if the team had not won, uh, which is probably a pretty r- a rarity when he scores and the team doesn't win. But if that had happened, he would not have been wanting to talk. He would not have been able, he would not have given the kind of quotes he did last night, which are great insight. Uh, I especially liked one that he told where he talked about one of his former coaches at young boys when he played in Switzerland. Um, who was just telling him to to look up at the people in the stands and the workers uh, at the stadium who clean the clean the ground and things like that. And that his job is only to come here twice, you know, for two hours a week and try mm-hmm. to score goals. And I think that he's just later in his career, to your point, Sam, what you were saying earlier, I think he's just really kind of appreciating where he is right now in his career after this traumatic ex- experience that he had with his knee. And that's just it. I was talking about this with Felipe walking out of the stadium. Last night, it, it really does seem like this was a trauma event, mm-hmm. and it's it's fascinating and to some points upsetting, and and some points inspiring to watch him kind of uh, wrestle with that as he goes through this year and talks to us uh, through the process, right? Uh, but all the all the respect in the world to him for for battling through that, uh, the way he seems to treat people all the time at every level. Um, in this team and i think that uh you know everyone on the team understands that and i think brad gizan mentioned that that we don't we don't really get to see that kind of joseph as much as as everyone else right they get to see it every single day right yeah yeah i'm gonna play this as a bit of a longer clip it's a minute and a half but i think it's worth just hearing what guzan has to say about everything that joseph martinez is Uh, i mean they're probably all penalties, to be honest. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, listen, the, the thing that Joe brings that you guys don't see, I mean, you guys see it a little bit, right, in games. Um, but the thing that, besides his goals, because I've always said goals change games, but the thing that he brings is his his commitment and his intensity and his desire to win. You can't teach that. You can't teach somebody to, to want to win. They either have it or they don't. And he has it in in. in so much excess of it in terms of just his ability of wanting to win um you know in the locker room gave a little speech uh, i'm sure you guys will see that on the website behind the scenes but um he gave a little speech and and you know he, he says oh sometimes my character and this and that and it's like that that's who he is and and i wouldn't want it any other way because without him um you know you 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 lose that spark on the other side of the field then and, and so 
you know, I couldn't be more happy for him. I, I couldn't, uh, you know, it couldn't happen to a better guy. Uh, and, I, and I say that genuinely because he, he truly cares about this club. He cares about the city. Um, and, you know, when you see his reaction after the game, after the goal, uh, I think that speaks volumes. And so, um, you know, what he's done for, for us as a club, as, as a city, uh, in terms of the league, um, it's his desire to want to win. And, and like I said, you can't teach that. You either have it or you don't. And he makes other guys around him better. Better. <laughs> Um, when, uh, when I heard, <laughs> I, I cut that one off a little bit early. Sorry. Um, when I heard that, I immediately thought of Frank DeBoer actually talking about Joseph Martinez when he compared him to uh, Luis Suarez saying mm. that like, he has that kind of like, he has to, he was talking about uh, Frank DeBoer was talking about just scoring goals, not necessarily the, the winning part, but just to have that, um, you need it to survive. It's like, it's what sustains you. And, uh, yeah, he, he, Joseph is just kind of a one of a kind personality. I think we can all see that. Uh, yeah, I, I think we can understand it at this point. And so what, five years of this is it's crazy yeah. <laughs> how long he's been around and how long we've been around doing this. And um, it makes sense that he's, he's there at 100. I think that's the fastest in MLS history, the fastest player in MLS history to 100 goals with their club. Mm-hmm. If I'm right in saying that, I think Johannes Snyder pulled that stat for Atlanta in this one. I was texting with my brother after the game who just kind of casually follows Atlanta United, but I had mentioned I was in the press conference. So we were talking about it a little bit and uh, he asked if Joseph was going to be around for a long time. If he's like, happy now, because I think last time he was probably paying attention, he knew that Joseph was pissed off or whatever. And, you know, the more I think about it, it is really hard for me to see Joseph going anywhere at any time, honestly, because think about it. Atlanta United would value Joseph Martinez way more than any other club ever would, especially with him coming off this injury and maybe not being at his peak potential or, you know, having the kind of potential or just being at his peak ability that he may have once had. Um, You know, I think that Atlanta United will be the club that will be in his corner and will just, yeah, again, value him, not just on the transfer market in terms of a fee, but in terms of the wages they would pay him. I think Atlanta United would probably be willing to pay him way more than any other club. So it's very hard for me to see Joseph going anywhere. And I think that that's great because he is the heart and soul of this organization, really. And he has been since day one. I mean, keep in mind, he's 28 at this point, which, God, that makes me feel you know, decrepit. Yeah, honestly. I know. know. 28 years he old. He was a though. young DP when he came in on loans. Yeah, Isn't that wild? crazy? Just crazy. So, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. I think he will be. And, and obviously he's ingrained in the culture of this football club and, and will be for forever. And, you know, I still think it's cool to see people saying things like build the statue mm-hmm. and things like that that we've kind of built up over the years. You know, uh, they tweeted that out. That was like the tweet for his 100th goal, which I was like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. That's the DSS thing uh, that we kind of pushed. <laughs> so, um, man, it's just we've come a long way. Us and Joseph, we've come a long way. <laughs> uh, um, I do want to hit on something right quick. Yep. And maybe we can circle back to Joseph to make sure this segment doesn't end too negatively. But I want to hit on the ball move off the ball movement real quick, sure. real, real quick, because it was a little bit stagnant. I wanted to read this from Teodal because I thought this was a good way of phrasing it. Um, he says that their worst, the Atlanta United players are so sure of their individual superiority on the ball in possession that it seems beneath them to have to make coordinated abstract movements to find space and support whoever is on the ball. Uh, quotation marks. He's got this. I would if I were on it. 
You know, um, I, I thought that was an interesting point. I maybe don't necessarily agree that it's like because they think they're super good at it, you know, um, that they're just kind of sitting back and watching. I think there is just some kind of maybe disconnect with an understanding that they aren't moving for the past that can come directly to them. They're right, moving for right. the second pass that yep. should be able to come. It's like they're trying to anticipate to what them. that player is going to do with some crazy run on the ball where then they can get in position instead of just going and directly helping that player. If exactly. that makes sense. Exactly. And running into the space that may open up something else for someone else or, you know, may lead to a second or even third pass that gets to them. And it's something that you kind of see from old Atlanta United teams is that they were always kind of moving in those directions as they were playing at their best. You know, um, I, I kind of followed it up with, I said, at times people don't start moving until they absolutely have to. They wouldn't absolutely have to as much if they were already moving mm-hmm. is the way I put it. Mm-hmm. So it, something to keep an eye on. Hopefully that kind of improves as we go along. I'm interested to see because I mean, theoretically, like this team could gel and mesh in an incredible way if they all figured out how to kind of move in concert and in sync with those kind of things. Uh, it's just something to keep an eye on. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think about that, too. I think about Tata Martino's teams where I felt like on the flanks with Tata Martino, it was just like unending overlapping or underlapping there would be essentially it was like a three-man weave running running on the (laughs) flanks and there was and what that meant was that there was always somebody making the extra run trying to get in behind and whether that run was always utilized or not to actually send a pass to them you know that was that's up to the player on the ball but what that does is it can open up space for the player to make a pass obviously that's not for that player making the run but for somebody else and so the more of that you can get i think the more we're going to think about this team really being fluid and more attacking Mm -hmm. minded and all that stuff. I think that, uh, yeah, the more you can get of that, the more good things are going to happen for you offensively. It's just about maintaining your structure and knowing what you're doing so that when you Mm -hmm. do lose the ball and you're making those runs, you're able to recover and and apply pressure and and not, Mm -hmm. you know, concede some uh, wild counterattack. For sure. For sure. Um, so, yeah, we'll see if they figure that out. We'll see if Joseph can get to 100 more goals, maybe. Could be possible. I, I don't That's know what he said. He That's what he said. That, next... He said his next thing was to get to 200. Uh, we'll see. Again, the big thing is that Lady United gets a one nothing win over Inter Miami. Quick update on the standings after last night. They move into six without win. They are technically one spot above Orlando City after Nashville freaking blew it they were up two nothing in about the 73rd minute i think and then ended up giving up a late own goal a 90 plus three own goal oh wow to orlando city for the lions to get a draw there but for orlando city to just barely stay inside the playoff line (laughs) exactly exactly joe patrick from three to seven in the east from three to seven in the east there was one point separating those teams. <laughs> that, is, that is absolutely Fourth, insane. Fifth, sixth, and seventh all have 39 points. DC Knight is in third with 40 points. Uh, still a long, long way to go. We know how quickly it can change. But if you're Atlanta United, you're feeling pretty good about yourself after a big six-point win, I guess we can call it, over Inter-Miami that, that probably dooms them from being a challenger mm. the rest of the way out. It's exactly what MLS's founding fathers would have envisioned when they were setting up this league. We need parity. We need a salary cap and we need one point separating third place, a home playoff game from essentially almost being out of the playoffs. So it'll be fun. It'll make for a really fun uh, run into the end of the season here. 
real quick. Uh, they do play another six pointer and probably even a bigger one against Montreal. Montreal going to come into this one in eighth place on 37 points. That's a Saturday at 7 p.m. Uh, Montreal, a good team. Don't sleep on them. Georgi Mihailovic, I think, is either second or third in assist in the league uh, right now. He's been very, very good. He's got a Gressel level number of assists. He's a good creator. And Romel Kyoto, when healthy, is mm-hmm. among he's the best force. in the league. He's, yeah. he's an absolute force. His, his um, non-penalty expected goals per 90, I think it's the best in the league, besides maybe Ola Kamara, mm-hmm. who's just everywhere right now for some reason um so um keep an eye on that this is a good team and not one to take lightly but a team that lady united can still definitely beat on the road all right we're already over time let's go to a quick break before we get back into the show did just want to remind everybody that this episode of five stripe finals brought to you by lucid fc that is lucid footwear and clothing you can visit them online at lucidfc.us and i highly recommend you go to their website to actually view the clothing because there's no way i can accurately describe to you within this short time frame the kinds of clothing that they have to offer it's Very unique. That's the only thing I'll say. But beyond that, you're going to have to go check it out for yourself. But I highly recommend that you do because you will not see anything like it anywhere. They've got everything to cover you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Literally, they've got all kinds of different clothing, including masks and anything else you would need for uh, the pandemic, of course. Definitely recommend you checking them out. They are local, too. A couple twins are the founders here from Atlanta. Uh, You can visit them at their shop in Atlanta at 3209 Paces Ferry Place Northwest. It's behind the Whole Foods and Buckhead. Really good guys. I met before and really cool company that they've got going so definitely recommend everybody check it out lucid fc that's lucid footwear and clothing and you can visit them online at lucidfc.us use dss at checkout for free shipping wow what a break what an incredible break let's go and get the questions we're already running behind john leach asked can we realistically run out the 514 anymore i feel like everyone can see we have struggled in that setup since the second game it was used Joe Patrick, I think last night might have been the death blow for that. I don't know, but I think it might have been. Yeah, it may have been. Again, I understand the thinking behind it. Absolutely. um, I understand why, but I just think that now we've seen it, we've seen the team struggle in it too many times to just keep trying to run it out there. Uh, And I just don't think it's necessary. So uh, Mm -hmm. I think that it's highly unlikely we see that kind of formation and player selection happen again. Seattle football ask, God damn it. Was this the last of Marcelino Moreno? I hate him so much. Why do we let him on the show? Well, no. okay. So here, here's the thing. Well, I, cause I, like, I understand the frustration because you know, what's the, um, I don't know what you call it, but you know, when, uh, someone that like, picks the flower petals off and is like, uh, he loves me. She loves me. Mm-hmm. not. She loves me. She loves me. Not. Well, it's almost like with Marcelino Moreno, it's like, he's a dude. He's not a dude. He's a dude. Uh, He's not a dude. It's like it's almost like alternating games sometimes. So I do understand it's it, it, with Marcelino Moreno. It's like he can either be incredible and a total game changer, uh, or he can kind of have a game like he had last night. Which again is it's not necessarily down to him specifically, but it's just the traits that he has and what he brings to the team and what the team needs tactically is just not a good match right now so um, but maybe mm-hmm. it's also Marcelino Miranda starting and Luis Araujo coming off the bench against like he, they, he did against DC and that's the game mm-hmm. I was thinking of where Pene went to the back four by the way but you know he uh, Luis Araujo was very effective in that role so maybe that you could utilize him like that sometimes but I think obviously when we're talking about this question we're thinking about the playoffs we're thinking about what would this team do in a game that is a must win or the season's over and so that's really mm-hmm. where it's uh, you know it'll, a lot of the, what it's going to come down to 
Yeah, you're, you're totally right. Whether or not Marcelino or Louise or whoever is starting late nights should still have the ability to, to get to the playoffs. And then we can start thinking about what this team's best 11 is, you know, mm-hmm. for that kind of scenario. You're exactly right. Uh, TJ Runyon from the Twitter ask, is Louise just hitting a little slump or has something changed tactically that is making him look out of sorts last couple of matches? I'm glad he asked this because I wanted to kind of get to it earlier, but we kind of ran out of time. Um, it's not encouraging to see him not really make a ton of impact. He had a great chance at one point in the game. I think it was the highest uh, percentage XG chance we had in the game where mm-hmm. he kind of um, ran through on the edge of the box. and Marco tried to curl in. One of, yeah, yeah, exactly. And tried to uh, curl around the keeper with his left foot. He just didn't get around it enough or straight to the keeper. Um, so, I mean, if he scores last night, we're, we're talking about a different thing. But right. maybe not super encouraging that he wasn't... His usage rate was not as high as it probably should be when he's clearly the best player on the ball on the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the, the sound we played earlier from Pineda, I think really spells it out, which is that Marcelino Moreno was kind of like just with his positioning was kind of clogging things up and that forced some of these other players to try to find new positions where they could get some space to receive the ball. And I think that that's what Araujo suffered from a little bit. And also, you know, Araujo, he's, he's a guy who has a lot of work rate and he's not shy to, to drop back into a deeper position. He's not like a guy who's just going to totally be lurking around like a Carlos Vela type, even though I think we may have compared him to Vela, or at least I did maybe a couple games ago, because he does have that kind of skill and impact he can make on the game, and I would prefer to actually see him do play more like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that what TJ is getting at is that he's not as effective when he's kind of back in those in those positions. There was one time I think you saw it, and we we both kind of he our our hearts jumped a little bit when he uh, he took the ball and he he just like skipped past three players in, in midfield, just <laughs> dribbling around them like they were cones or something, which is always fun, but. Um, you know, I think that when they when the team gets settled better tactically, I think that Luis Araujo will look and perform a lot better. He'll give a lot better output. Uh, Chris H asked, came out of the game thinking it was a really poor performance. We were lucky to get three points, looked at XG and it's close to three versus point five. And we kind of dominated them, question mark. Uh, which was it, in your opinion? Uh, truth is probably somewhere in the middle, right? Like, I think we can objectively look at that and, and understand that last night there were issues that they were not moving the ball quickly enough that there was not enough movement off the ball, that there were no real reasons to make excuses uh, for inner Miami having that low block it and not being able to break inner Miami of all teams who was playing like their third choice center center back. Mm, if that yeah. makes sense, uh, Nico Figal was out Gregory who had stepped back into that role from the fits of midfielder in the last game, got a yellow card and had a, a suspension for yellow card accumulation. So they were on their third choice. It was Kelvin Leardam who was not a center back, who was a fullback playing in the central part of their defense there. Um, so, I mean, it's not like they were trotting out world beaters, new thing. Lady United needs to, to break those kind of things down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, part of it is just it is it's more difficult to score against the team who's playing in a deep block with five in the back. But I thought that in the second half, the team was able to find the spaces a little bit more. And also they were more aggressive in terms of just utilizing some players in a more aggressive way. George Bellow Mm -hmm. specifically, he's the one who's just stuck in my head of him constantly making runs down that left side into the box. How many times was he making runs into the box, getting all the way to the byline, pretty much playing like a winger essentially uh, in that second half, because 
you know, he, it, it helps when you have those fast physical defenders, the center backs that we were talking about earlier. I think that's one of the reasons why he felt like he was totally comfortable doing that because he knew he had the protection behind him that mm-hmm. Miami wasn't going to hit him on some quick counter with Gonzalo Higuain up there, you know? So um, yeah. for that reason, it was good to see Atlanta just continue to apply the pressure more and more as the game went on. They got better tactically as the game went on. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that the result is, is it's a, it's a fine result. It's a fine result. George was so crucial to that second half. It was so good to see him getting forward and creating the width because there were times last night where, and this was the biggest problem, I think maybe in in some respects in the first half was, I mean, everyone was so central. It was probably like a a 20 yard span where every single Atlanta United player was within, right? Like Mm -hmm. there was no real width to it until the second half when George started getting in behind. Um, And maybe that gets fixed too. If the team is, is able to switch the ball. A little more and change the numbers around and, you know, do the, the Pep Guardiola thing of creating numbers advantages of switches and overloads and things like that. Um, or not necessarily the Pep Guardiola thing, more like <laughs> just the general good at soccer thing right. at this point, you know, um, it, there were chances there that they probably could have taken better and that would have made things look uh, a little more fluid. And I did think that actually the the sub was a good one that um, Pineda made to bring on Mulraney uh, around the, I think it was like the 67th minute or whatever, but I thought that they, they needed that speed and I thought that Miami just really struggled with the speed threat that both Mulraney and Bello both presented mm-hmm. on that one side. You know, Pineda's talked before about wanting two runners, like two fast guys on the, on the same side at the same time, which he did in that DC game. It was after that. He talked about that. So I think maybe this is almost like a similar situation, except he did mm-hmm. on the left side with those two players and it worked out well. Yeah. Again, I thought that Maureen's sub was, was awesome. Yeah. I thought that worked really well. Yep. Really, really well. Um, ATL Greg asked, Gonzo made the move to the back four at halftime last night. Uh, maybe it was worth exploring to see what, what Hosetsu could do. Um, in the back three uh, formation, uh, it worked out fine eventually, obviously, and they looked pretty good once they switched that back four, like we said. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he then asked, "Is that going to be the better formation for us against teams with low box, low blocks, park the bus, play for ties?" Uh, we we kind of hit on that pretty hard at this point, Joe. Are you sold on the back four entirely? Yes or no? Um, I would like to see more of it. I don't know. I don't, I don't think we've seen enough of the back four for mm-hmm. me to really make a hard determination about it. I've always said before that I, I want to see this team in a back four, but it's again, it's really tough to do that when you have <laughs> such good center backs. And I think if you do go with the back three, it's just about, you have to understand that those three center backs are so good that you can push up those, you know, your wing backs and, and your other players in a more aggressive manner you know it reminds mm-hmm. me of in, in 2019 with Frank DeBoer toward the end of that season when they started playing more attacking and you had just or um yeah Justin Miram on the on playing technically as a left wing back but really he was a left winger and they were just playing kind of on that knife's edge with those dominating center backs at the back and uh, I would like to see the team maybe play a little bit more in that style but I would also be interested I'm still back for curious at this point so I'm not kind of throwing <laughs> it away yet Perfect. Uh, Kurt Castle asked, why were Torino playing the best striker in the world as a winger? I have never quite understood that. Can you tell me? Yeah, it's because uh, Andrea Bellotti was the striker at Torino, who was the Uh, starting striker for Italy in the Euros. uh, So uh, he's a pretty good striker. And, um, you know, maybe it's not worth benching the best striker in the world or or shoving the best (laughs) striker in the world out to the side. But, you know, they do that in Italy sometimes. They're a little nuts. Yeah. It's, it's always been interesting to me that that was kind of the move, though. Yeah, I mean, it just never quite seemed like a like a fit for yeah. him because he, like he's fast, but he's not like winger. He's not that kind of pace. You yeah. know, it's a different kind of movement. Um, so anyway, 
Most seriously, Kurt asks, how lucky are we to get to watch Joseph play Mach and pour his heart out for this city? Um, it's pretty special. I am always hesitant to do any kind of hagiography for nice word athletes. Thank you. Uh, you know, um, not that I haven't done it for Joseph. I'll cop to that, right? Like no, I've sure. overwritten. We, we've all you done it. We've all done it. We've all gone like full <laughs> Grantland Rice horseshit on it. Like, wow, what a what a giant among men! An incredible swirling dust storm of yeah. awesomeness. I don't fucking know. Um, but you know, it's um, it's it's rare to to be able to do that and feel pretty comfortable in it with athletes. There are like five good athletes who are like <laughs> that's that's so cynical, <laughs> but like so often athletes disappoint us as off yeah. the field, right? And that yeah. has not happened with Joseph, and it seems to be that he treats people well. Um, and you know, and seems to really, really care and understand why these connections are important. And that's kind of all, that's kind of all you ask for. We're very lucky to have that. To me, it's almost feels like serendipitous that he ended up in Atlanta because, um, because his, his whole persona very much fits with the way that a lot of past Atlanta sports stars have been when you talk about Deion Sanders, Dominique Wilkins, mm-hmm. you know, uh, many Hawks players. Josh Smith is one who was not the greatest player, but he was like an <laughs> electrifying guy that just, you know, he <laughs> might not feel like it. But back when he was at his prime, people really liked the guy. Not easy point nine. The games. Joe Patrick compares <laughs> Joseph Martinez to Josh Smith. There's your headline. Tweet it. Um, Tweet. But, you know, Michael Vick is another one, despite you yeah. know, whatever you think of him, just like the electrifying kind of athlete and um, someone who really kind of captures you as a sports fan, not just with um, this, the numbers that they put up, but it's kind of the flair and the way that they do it is mm-hmm. um it just kind of captures you and it's just so fun to, to see that. And it's been really fun as a journalist, I got to say, to just kind of almost watch it from like from afar to just kind of I mean, you're in it You're because you, I'm, a you know, I'm a lifelong sports fan of, of Atlanta sports as well. And I feel it for mm-hmm. sure. But it's also just really fun to see um, him just capture people like he has. And uh, and it's also fun to see him interact with uh, kids and stuff. You know, he's just like he's so just, great yeah, with that. A really good job. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just, he's just a, he's just seems like a great guy and um, hope he's here for forever. Until he Never retires. heard us, Joseph. I swear to God, if you start like <laughs> tweeting about like ivermectin or some shit like Chipper Jones, I'm gonna f- I'm gonna fight you. This is gonna hurt so bad. Please don't. Please don't. Um, <laughs> God upsetting anyway be like del murphy be like del murphy not chipper that's that's the role for athletes on twitter atlanta sports people uh ty quinn ask uh, where should united look to in hopes of bolstering the midfield in the offseason oh we went for we went to forward in time here and kurt castle uh he does the intro for us by the way the song is chances check out kurt castle on spotify says what do you think gonzo's top transfer priorities will be this offseason have we seen enough to get any insight into his long-term plans with the team um it's a super weird time an MLS. I'm going to say that right off the jump. And we haven't really even discussed it, Joe Patrick, because it is somewhat of a ways off in 2023. But the upcoming Leagues Cup changes are going to change a lot of things. Right. The upcoming TV rights deal that is going to be reworked, I think, in 2022 is mm-hmm. going to change a lot of things. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the revenue that could be generated from that will be important, obviously. Right. But the other thing is that when you go and play a Leagues Cup where all at this point, it's uh, 47 teams 
are, are going to be in it uh, from Liga MX and MLS, you better start letting MLS teams pay a little more, get a few more guys in, have a few more roster spots so you don't get mollywhopped the entire time yeah. for an entire month of soccer against Liga MX. So roster rules are going to be changing. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes and how teams respond to it. But I think maybe we, we can hit at the heart of it with the personnel and say that um, I don't know where Elaine and I should look in the midfield as far as that goes. But I think the midfield is the clear place they would want to upgrade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, it, it's the it's the Mateus Rosetto role or the Heinemann role. I think that, you know, yeah. Atlanta United right now has a couple players who can who can do that role. Of course, Heinemann's hurt, but um I think it's the most important position on the field. It's the net, you know, it's the Nagby position. And if you have yeah. somebody there who's an absolute boss, then you can literally just control games. And um, that's kind of the I, well, I don't know if there is going to spend in that position or anything. But if there was one position I would want this team to look at, it would be that because you've already got center backs. I think with Atlanta's pipeline of young players like you can continuously, I think, continue to churn out. George Campbell like players like I don't know mm -hmm. if they'll ever be as good as George Campbell. I don't know how good George Campbell is going to be eventually. Um, but I think that you can pretty reliably draft players, develop players through your academy that are big, physical, fast guys, and they can come in and at least be role players for you. So I think that what this team really needs to look at where they need to look at spending is in those really technical positions. Um, and to me, that's right now the, the area that that would be is in midfield kind of next to Santiago Sosa. Yeah. And there's all sorts of ways you can kind of go with it, too. I don't think it necessarily has to be a Nagby type. I would love a, a Jao Paulo type. Sure. Uh, someone yeah, up, yeah. The guy up in Seattle um, who can do pretty much everything. Yeah. You know, he, he's in the top percentiles of, of tackles, of pressures, of passes. He's, he's everywhere for the most part. Right. Having that kind of guy would fit as well. Having someone who could just be a runner the entire time and totally who moves agree. a lot, mm -hmm. especially considering that Santiago Sosa appears to, to not be super interested in doing the running <laughs> parts of things every now and then. Um, understandably a little bit. He's a big boy. We understand. We understand. <laughs> Santi. Um, so it, there's all sorts of profiles you can go after here. You just got to make sure that they have the ability to, to correctly execute. I think Atlanta could find that pretty easily considering uh, where they're at and where they should be at roster wise with some of these guys, hopefully coming off the books in the offseason. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think also, you know, you look at um, they need uh, they need a, a backup to Joseph who is not necessarily a backup player like they need a they need someone who can come in and play striker that can also kind of be a more regular wing player yeah. or something, you know, use that Jurgen Dam slot and the money that, you know, assuming they kind of end that contract after this year um, and get somebody who's more like a Tito Villalba who can be an impact sub off yeah. the bench, be a starter on the wing or start games at striker. If you need that kind of player, could I Maybe even Tito himself, but just, just <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was, as you were saying that, I was like, well, there's this one Someone guy exactly like Tito, like really, <laughs> uh, man, we hope Tito comes back uh, as quick wherever as that guy, he can. Wherever that guy is, I hope he's so well. Patrick, we hope you can answer these questions as quick as you can. This is Rapid Fire. Kevin Gorham asks, uh, Pena's ability to not dumb down his tactics, explanations, and post-game interviews is so refreshing. An example is explanation of why he made a shift in formation slash personnel. 
so happy to not be talked to, down to by our manager. I think that was a rapid comment, and that's a good rapid comment. Definitely. Yeah, we agree. And then he asked, uh, why is Miles so smooth? Because uh, he played basketball, like straight up. Like, I think he's just a, a multi-sport athlete who kind of has full use of his body, even though he's tall and was kind of lanky, but it's kind of filled out a little bit. Here's what he, he played basketball. Also played futsal because he grew up in the wind and oh, he grew cool. up in the snowy northeast and they've been playing the gym. So that always helps, mm-hmm. too does help. Tony asks, why is the best yet to come from Marcelino? Uh, because they're going to figure out exactly how to, to utilize him and he's going to understand his role better. Fair? Yeah. Have you ever seen his jeans like in pictures? <laughs> no. Like what? super, super torn up. Like, like, <laughs> like uh, so yeah. I think so I, that just gives me the suspicion that there's more good to come from him. Okay, this is this is the same vein as your Eric Lopez eyebrow theory <laughs> yes, that yes, is not is. Yes, out. Is. So <laughs> let's hope you you get this one right. Uh, Joel BS better social media game Darren or Dom? Um, I gotta go Darren honestly. Damn, Dom gets damn he gets it like he gets it you know yeah. Um, but I think like there's like deeper levels to maybe what Darren's doing. Right, exactly. Uh, Darren, I will say on multiple. This levels. is very funny that um, Darren has started a TikTok. Right. And uh, the numbers are are kind of astounding. It's like um, he wasn't doing so well with the TikTok. He kind of got like 100 and then he did a thing with Jurgen Dom and has (laughs) 2 million followers on TikTok. He's now at over 100,000. Oh, my gosh. Um, I I think he God, what did he say? He said as far as TikToks go, it's like Atlanta United, L.A., some other team. Darren in MLS <laughs> now. So that's that's pretty that's impressive. Honestly, that's awesome. Right? Like you got to give it to him on that one. Yeah. For sure. Uh, both equally talented though. We, we, we got to say there's there's a whole lot of skill there. Um, John, <laughs> that's, this is mean. John Leach asked better on field game, Dar- Darren or Dom? Uh, well, did you see Darren? Did you see Darren's TikTok? That video that he did of the you know him dribbling around and uh, impersonating oh, Joseph. I mean, that, yeah. I mean that's pretty good skill. That's pretty good skill. It's pretty. It's pretty impressive. He played at uh, he played at Brown. Played at Cambridge too. I think a little bit. So yeah, he, he's he's been good. He's been good at, at soccer for a long time. But maybe a little more experienced than than Jurgen. Uh, he also can hit fifty nine yard field goals. Apparently, is what he said. I think that's what he said. That yeah. field goal was in that video that he did. A while back, so yeah. Maybe in a short-sided game, I'd take Darren, but over on a full okay. field, I'm taking Dam. I'm taking Dam. Yeah, full too field. much speed. Yeah. Too much speed. Uh, Sam Jones asks, uh, "What's your favorite <laughs> Joseph Martinez goal?" To Patrick, answer this first. For me, it's got to be the one against Chicago. I think it was his second game where he scores from that extremely tight angle. He was straight up behind the goal. So good, so good. That's my favorite. <laughs> what about you? Uh, the Orlando one is up there. The one where he does the look back and everything like that. That was a um, great I, goal to like set a record on. Like that oh, it was, it was a perfect, quality right? cinematic finish. Yeah. Even yeah. Um, I've always loved uh, one. I think is really underrated is the first goal he scored in the rev wedding, the, the seven nothing where he was at an extremely tight angle and it looked like there was a f- defender to the right to him. There's a goalkeeper probably like three yards in front of him and he just roofs it. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. At that point we went, Oh God, they England's in trouble (laughs) and they were they were and that was rapid fire Joe any final thoughts before we get out of here of what's been a an hour-long show it's been action-packed I think this was a good show I think we'll uh, continue in this way but no um that was it and uh join the patreon it's good time it's good time (laughs) good plug thumbs up (laughs) thanks (laughs) patreon.com slash five strike final (laughs) 
Join the Patreon or whatever. I don't care. Who cares? <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, again, thanks, Kurt Castle, for doing this intro song. The song is Chances. Go check him out on Spotify. Thank you to you for listening. Uh, go check out everything under soccer.com. Plenty of good stuff. There's a lot of good stuff up there yeah, right now. Dude, DSS taking off today, <clears throat> doing some good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow Joe Patrick at jpatrick200 on Twitter. I'm at J underscore Sam Jones. You can follow five start final as well. We tweet there sometimes when we want to update on you guys on things or just post a gif or something that, you know, we just want to put out into the world. Um, of course I got stuff coming on and as well. All right. Let's get out of here. We love you. Bye y'all. for tuning in everyone to this completely arbitrary internet content piece.